Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Off Air with me, Jane Garvey. And me, Fee Glover. And we are fresh from our brand new Times radio show, but we just cannot be contained by two hours of live broadcasting. So we've kept the microphones on, grabbed a cuppa and are ready to say what we really think. Unencumbered and Off Air. Welcome to Off Air with me, Jane Garvey. And me, Fee Glover. Now, um, it's worth saying that today was very much Matt Hancock Tuesday. And the, the reaction to Matt Hancock and the fact that we were talking about Matt Hancock was quite interesting, wasn't it? Well, it's one of those things, Jane. I mean, I would like to imagine that I'm not the type of person who wants to spend a lot of time talking about the contestants on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. But it turns out that I'm completely the type of person who wants to become obsessed with the fact that Matt Hancock is going on The Jungle Show. Yeah, um, it's interesting. John Pienaar, our colleague here at Times Radio, was asking whether or not I'd go on I'm a Celebrity. This was in... We were making small talk. I mean, we are in an office, you understand, which is very exciting for Fee and I because we haven't allowed, we've really been allowed in an office in <laughs> living memory. So now we're in one. It's quite exciting because you can talk to your colleagues before you do your radio show and everything. It's all very exciting. Anyway, John was asking whether I do I'm a Celebrity and I said, yes, I think it's the show that I would do, not for the money, but it's the one I think I could do all right at because I'm fairly convinced I'd fall under the radar. I wouldn't be picked for any of the trials and I'm okay at the sort of camp activities with the Girl Guide experience I've got in my locker. I don't care about bugs or insects, doesn't bother me. And there aren't any real snakes there, are there? And I don't, I just think I'd be all right. I think I could do it. John said he wouldn't do it for a million pounds. No. Would you do it? No. I just think it's really, really hard work, and uh, I don't know why I'd be doing it. I mean, you've got to, you've got to want to be really, really, really famous to go on something like that. Your life is never the same again after something after that huge. It. You no. can't, you can't walk down the street. You know all that type of stuff, uh, which I suppose I allow myself to laugh at people who go on a, that and pick them to pieces because I think they've done the deal with the devil anyway so that's kind of that okay. you know it's fair game yeah. so I wouldn't go near it with a barge pole. Okay. when I, I want to make very clear at this point I don't want to do it I'm just saying <laughs> you've given an alarming amount of thought to something I'm you don't want to do of the tv reality <laughs> shows currently available I 
would rate my chances on okay. this show. But do you know what I mean about... Uh, there's something about that show. I think more than Strictly, because I think sometimes Strictly does still invite people who are maybe not quite so ruthlessly fame-seeking no, no, and it, ambitious Well, it makes it. stars of yeah. people who in some cases deserve to be more widely known. But I'm a celebrity. For me, it goes into exactly the same category as all of the Real Housewives of and Geordie Shore and stuff. You really know what you're signing up to and you're really going to get it. And it's putting yourself in the stocks, isn't it? Yeah. And the only difference is instead of the rotten apples, uh, you know, there's a ka-ching at the end of a mobile phone but, but, call uh, to a, ITV. A ka-ching for some of them. Uh, but not necessarily. They, they won't all be getting the same amounts. It's all very, very different, isn't it? So I, I reckon Jill Scott, who I think might be the one who wins it in the end, because I think she's a hugely, hugely likable character. I bet she's being paid less than half of what Matt Hancock's getting, which it, which appears to be an astonishing three hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Well, we got that figure from our colleague Asma Mia. Let's repeat it then. Three hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Yeah. Which, if you're an MP, or an, and then MPs, unless they're ministers. They get it's about £85,000 a year, which is a lot of money, but perhaps, as one of our listeners pointed out, might not be enough to finance a divorce, which certainly Mr Hancock has got to think about. Yes, and I really hope that his ex-wife is OK, because I think it must be very difficult, Jane, to uh, see in the public consciousness so much of a person who you probably don't really want to see a lot of. And also, he will have, he does have children, doesn't he? You do, yes, yeah. you wonder. Perhaps, if we don't know, he may well have discussed it with them. Yep. Uh, we're going to see quite a lot of his body, aren't we? Can I just say that I'm really not looking forward to that? He strikes me as the kind of guy who's going to have a shower whilst holding his stomach in, and I just leave it at that. <laughs> he will, though, won't he? He'll be doing push-ups and lunges and squats and all kinds of things. But if you are in his constituency, or as we discovered on our show today, elsewhere, you can fill the gap in your life that Matt Hancock's time in Australia will leave by downloading the Matt Hancock app <laughs> and enjoying all his constituency activities in the privacy of your own home. <laughs> uh, dear G and Fane, keeping things fair, says our email correspondent, I've never in my life written into any form of media despite consuming a lot of it, but I have been driven to write to you. I've listened to you both since the very beginning. I didn't have the means to play the BBC in my car, so I'd download the episodes to my phone and listen with it on the dashboard. I remember driving and crying with laughter. Well, don't do that. It's terribly dangerous. Just pull over and have a good old bellyache and then a weep. Uh, thank you for all of that. I truly love you. Fine with your move to Times Radio, but... Massive, massive butt. And this is from Chloe. Uh, the music that keeps blaring out midway through and creeping in over the top of people talking is completely ruining it for me. Please, please ask your very competent and probably lovely production team to return this horrendous bed to Jamie Oliver to soundtrack his chop and chat and either find a way to reinsert Sean Keaveney, that's a podcast in itself, or just leave the voices. Lots of love and hope for the future, says Chloe Seven, aged 33. Ex Cornet player from Cornwall. Many thanks. I'm premenstrual. Yeah, you do sound a bit premenstrual, Chloe. It's when um, it's when I read things like that, I realise I don't miss my menstrual cycle one iota. No. Well, talking of apps, I can't. I can't remember whether we've mentioned this or not, but there have been some period apps going down in our house, and I had one on my phone uh, for another member of our household for a while, and it sent me an alert one day saying that I hadn't had a period for 635 days. Gosh, you're going to have such a big baby. Aren't you? <laughs> 
when it comes. Um, yes, uh, period tracker apps. Now, there's a reason why you shouldn't have them. I mean, certainly they've been used in my house as well. It's because if you don't tick the right box on the cookies and they're sharing your data, yeah. you might start to find yourself inundated with advertisements for babies when you haven't had one, couldn't have one, chosen not to have one, and all kinds of other things. Mm. There's some quite odd stuff going down with that. Yes, and I think I was talking about this with some friends the other day. Or was it you, Fee? I can't remember. Uh, where back in the day, you would keep a note of your periods uh, in your diary or something just by writing a letter P yeah, and just then drawing circling. a circle. Did you draw yep. a circle around you the letter said, P? No, I'd just circle the date. You'd circle the yeah. date, okay, yeah. I was, I mean, I was, say, you know, I try not to big myself up much, but I did have a very regular cycle. Did you? Yeah. Mine was all over the shop, oh, Jane. I was strictly every 28 days. Um, this is a, a very important point, actually, about bin ladies, which, and I shouldn't have done this, I doubted the existence of bin ladies yesterday. I can confirm that there are real live bin ladies here in North Yorkshire. I've seen at least one with my own eyes in Beedale. Up here, they'd surely be known as a bin lass. Loving the daily podcast as I don't have Times Radio up here. In Beedale, why can't you get the Times Radio app in Beedale? I don't know, but right. we could send an operative to try and help you. And there's another email here from Alexa of Barber Lodge, Yorkshire Division. She says, listening to your podcast from today, had to email. My friend's daughter is a refuse collector. She drives the lorry. We're in Yorkshire, where men are men and so are the women. <laughs> God. Well, you've said it, but I was about to say you can't say that. Uh, by the way, I like the podcast. Thought Scott Galloway was fascinating. Also, I watched the live stream on Sunday night and I really enjoyed that too. Gosh, I'd forgotten we did the live stream on Sunday night. It's been a long week already, hasn't it? That was live from Shrewsbury. Thank you for that. You really are going above and way beyond the call of duty, but thank you. Yeah. So back in our tiny orbit here, we invited Bryony Gordon in to talk to us today. Bryony is a journalist, columnist and author and also has a book out at the moment, a young adult novel called Let Your Hair Down, which kind of leans into the fairy tale of Rapunzel, uh, but it updates it with some quite horrific but very realistic storylines around toxic friendships and social media influencers. Creator houses, Jane. God forbid that you ever end up in a creator house. But we started catching up with her by asking where she was chatting to us from. I'm in my bedroom in oh, South yeah. London. Oh, well, that'll, you've given it away now. <laughs> which, which, um, which is the only place in the house that has good enough Wi-Fi, embarrassingly. Okay. Well, look, if if I sometimes I can ask very long questions, Brian. If you feel the need to go and fold some clothes during one of them, come back. I'll still be <laughs> rabbiting on. We'll be fine. This is where the magic, ha- not just that magic, but the other magic. This is where I wrote that book, basically. Okay, uh, I think we'll keep the magic of your bedroom until a little later in the interview, if you don't mind. Well, we could start. Out there if you like I don't mind <laughs> uh, Bryony I'd forgotten just how dark Rapunzel was as a fairy tale had you I hated Rapunzel as a teenager growing up um because it was so uh it's so focused on her appearance and I personally I lost all my hair when I was 17 so um I yeah I got I developed alopecia which it was the late 90s and um it was a very confusing time and I had been very unwell with obsessive compulsive disorder um as a child and this was like the the physical manifestation I think of that so Rapunzel to me yes it's very dark but it had that extra resonance but even then back when you know 
we're still looks obsessed now, right? But we have a lot more uh, awareness and body positivity going on. But back in the nineties, it um, it felt particular dark, particularly dark to me as a seventeen year old girl who had gone bald. Basically, yes, it must have done. It must have done. I mean, the bits that you write in the book about Barb, and I'll ask you to tell us a bit more about your heroine in just a couple of moments. But when she when she first notices that she's got a a patch of her scalp that she can feel where the hair has fallen out and had you had you known for a while that you would be able to write about alopecia or was it a very conscious decision now to write about it was it something that you felt you wanted to make kind of public again well I yeah I had written about it a little bit in my I wrote a book about my own experiences of mental illness called Mad Girl and I had written a bit about it then but it was mostly about my experiences of um, OCD and addiction and um, but I then after I'd sort of laid a lot of that to rest or certainly I was you know in recovery from it and and uh, and, and sort of thrown into this world of social media as so many of us are and I was I was thinking a lot about I was seeing for the first time women with alopecia who were kind of proudly um reclaiming what was happening to to them on social media and I was thinking about how interesting it would be to sort of revamp that I I have had alopecia on and off ever since I was 17 and I don't have it anymore now but it's very much for me and there are all sorts of reasons that people get alopecia. It's an autoimmune condition. It's it's very, it's quite common and it um, manifests in all sorts of different ways. There's alopecia areata, which is what I had, which is patches um, that, that appear. And then you have things like alopecia universalis and alopecia totalis, which are involved losing all of your hair. So including your eyebrows, your eyelashes, um, and 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 I I just kind of wanted to, I just thought oh hang on how can I retell that uh, that story now um, with that kind of background of social media if that makes any sense but it doesn't you know alopecia doesn't bother me anymore it bothers people more when they see it because they 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 sort of I look I can look a bit like Friar Tuck occasionally you know with the sort of balding and it's a kind of strange thing to see on a woman. I'm quite open about it and I don't worry too much about hiding it. Um, but uh, I and I wanted to write about it because so many people have got in touch with me through my work as a mental health campaigner and told me that either they've experienced it or their kids are experiencing it. It's, you know, it seems to be quite common mm. in young teenage girls. So tell us a little bit about Barb, your heroine, who I think is so clever because you don't make her a total sweetheart. She's a very real character, isn't she? Uh, influenced by the modern age and she finds herself in this dreadful situation which will immediately explain when you tell us about her that kind of uh, comparison to Rapunzel. So Barb has amazing long sort of uh, strawberry blonde golden hair it was also she's also based a bit on my daughter who from the moment she was born people would stop us in the street while I was pushing the buggy and say look at her hair where did she get it from as if I'd sort of chosen it from a shop and (laughs) I remember when my daughter was about three or four I remember her 
turning around to me and saying, mom, why is everyone so obsessed with my hair? You know, it didn't make any sense to her as a sort of pure uh, child, I suppose. And and so that I wanted to, I sort of thought, oh God, we are so obsessed, aren't we, with appearance? So Barb has that hair that is very much based on my daughter. And um, she is, she lives with her aunt in, in, in a tower in South London, not too far away from where I am now. And she has turned her hair into a sort of industry, I suppose, on social media. She's an influencer. She has hundreds of thousands of followers. And her aunt wants her to sort of dump school and turn that into her business. But there's there's something that doesn't feel quite right about it. You know, she hasn't, it's been at the expense of everything else in her life, friendships, uh, a normal teenage social life. So while she has on on the face of it, everything that a 16 year old girl might want, like thousands of followers, uh, gift, you know, she's gifted things by companies and, she, and uh, you know, she's, she's Insta famous. Um, she's actually really unhappy. And, um, and and for me, alopecia was often a, a, my, like a physical reaction to my unhappiness, my stress. And that's very much what happens to Barb when she discovers her patch. We were talking a little bit yesterday, I think it was yesterday, about how we wouldn't want to be a teenager now. No, and, well, I wouldn't want to be a teenager ever again, would you, Jay? Uh, well, I wouldn't mind a second crack at being a teenager in the 80s. That was all right. Or it could have been all right if I'd had a bit more confidence. But this isn't about me. This is about you, Bryony. Um, it just strikes me at the moment that it's so tough, um, the constant judgment that you're expected to make of yourself and the way you look and the way you are. And then you know, particularly as a girl, though certainly it isn't confined to girls, that everyone else is judging you too based on how you look, who you are, what you've got. But do you remember, I remember when I was a teenager, we had this obsession with magazines, you know, and, and, and we were aware that it was, it was sort of airbrushed, you know, even back then, photoshopped, whatever. Um, but now it's of a, on a whole different level where we, whereby we airbrush ourselves, yeah. you know, so we don't, and I, and I, I have such a complicated relationship with social media and I'm 42, yeah. right? And I, and I I consider myself quite well-versed in sort of therapy speak, well-being speak and all of that. And I find myself getting sucked into it. So what would it be like? What must it be like if you are a teenager, a, a girl, a boy, whatever, anything in between? And also, I, I think, I don't know about you, but school, I'd come home and I could sort of cut off from it. So mm. anything that was going on there, you had at least those few hours, didn't you, at home? Where yeah. you, you and that's were... the huge tragedy, isn't it? Just that it's there 24 hours a day and you feel like you have no say in whether or not you participate in it because if you do put your phone down, then a whole conversation and a whole friendship group can change overnight and you haven't been involved in it. But I wonder, Bryony, what you think about that. There are kind of two horses in this race, aren't there? Because there's all of that pressure going on. We know the damage that does. But there are also really brilliant voices like yours and really open conversations about poor mental health and anxiety that were never around in previous generations. Mm. So will the latter eventually help to balance out the former? How are those two things coexisting I with really, full force? I really hope, Sophie, but I have this theory that we are going to look back 
on our current use of social media in the same way that we look back on, say, the Marlboro Man ads that smoking was good for us, you know, mm. like because uh, I it's the whole thing. And I think about this a lot as someone in recovery from alcoholism. I, you know, I use social media and I think most of us do. In fact, it is designed entirely to play on addictive processes to what to make us want more you know and I think it's really dangerous and I think it's I think we I I hope that in years going forward we we will look more at how we can use it responsibly um I wonder what it you know how how you know will we look back and go I can't believe we were just mindlessly scrolling through our phones all day um and I I hope that but as you say, it can be used brilliantly. For example, I set up this thing called Mental Health Mates, which is a peer support group, a walking group, which is all around the country now. But that could only I could only have done that through the power of social media, right? And I, as a woman, love I now make sure that my feed only contains people that are sort of quote unquote real or they present themselves in a real way. Um, I don't follow people that, you know, I can see obviously use Photoshop and filters. Um, but it's difficult. It's tricky. And I, you know, I, I, I fall for it myself when yeah. I'm putting Well, we pictures. all do. We all do. There'll be more from Bryony Gordon in a moment. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Our big name guest today was Bryony Gordon, who was talking to us about her new young adult novel, which is called Let Your Hair Down. But we talked about lots and lots of other things, including a very famous interview that she did with a much younger Prince Harry on her podcast, where he talked about his mental health. Bryony, is it fair to say that you were the first person, in a way, to get to give us all a glimpse of the real Prince Harry? Um, uh, well, he gave the glimpse of the real Prince Harry, but yes. Yes, I think it would be fair to say. I interviewed him five years ago on my podcast, Mad World, uh, and that was when he first spoke about the sort of... Um, the, t- the terrible suffering and crisis he'd experienced after the death of his mother. And if you had him on your podcast, <laughs> an episode with him now, what would mm. your first question to him be? Oh, I mean, it would be the first question I ask everyone on my podcast, which is, how are you really? Uh, and he was my first ever guest on that podcast. And that yeah. was the first question. Why, <laughs> why did he agree to do it? Okay. Well, um, I had been writing about mental health for um for a while and I was invited along to the launch of Heads Together which I don't know if you remember was there um was the, was the Prince and Princess of Wales yes, and yes. Prince Harry as it was at the time their mental health campaign and it was uh the official charity of the London Marathon and some, they asked if I would get involved and I signed up to do the marathon and I ended up getting involved in all of this campaigning and I I spent quite a lot of time with them, the three of them, and I really sensed, uh, you know, the the real engagement from them on the subject. But I especially sensed, I don't know, a sort of kinship with Harry, I suppose. Um, Got on really well with him. I mean, all three of them. But um, And so I asked if he'd be the first guest. And I was like, he'll never say yes. He's Prince Harry. And, And to my utter surprise, he did. And then it surprised me again because I thought he would just talk very generically about mental health. Yeah. Um, And that was not the case. And how do you think he is really at the moment? I, it's always so difficult to say. I, you know, I am very fond of him and and Megan. And um, I think, you know, if you read, if you, what you read makes it look as if they're sort of having a bad time or, uh, I think there he is in a really good place, and and often when someone breaks free of something, I suppose it can look it can look like the opposite is the case. Um, but but Bryony, would you would you advise him as someone who likes the guy? <laughs> would you have advised him to write this book, or would you perhaps have advised him to live his live his free life out there in the sunshine of California and leave leave us all behind him? Um, listen, I'm someone who's written six memoirs. Yes, so you're I'm a fine in, one to talk. I'm, I'm in no position to advise him not to write. No, but his I mean, truth. with greatest respect, you're journalistic royalty, Bryony, but but you're not actual royalty. Yeah. Uh, um, does the beekeeper like honey? I think was the question. Um, um, I know that you've talked in the past, Bryony, about being quite an anxious child yourself. I mean, you even you had to have a bell by your bed just in case there was a house fire. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Uh, so I wonder how you have found parenting yourself, because quite often you've, you, you do subconsciously live your own childhood again when you have kids, don't you? And, but we're in a very different time now as well. Mm. So have you found that you've been able to navigate it possibly much better than you, you might have thought? 
Um, I don't know about that. You'd have to ask my nine-year-old. Um, Has I... she written a memoir yet? <laughs> She's so damn good. That'll be... That'll, that'll, that'll I'll buy that me. one. <laughs> um, she... No, oh, listen, I try my best. I'm not perfect. You know, I was... She was four when I got sober. So, um, but I try... It's, you know, I, parenting is... It certainly made me have more empathy for my own mother put it that way <laughs> can, I, can we ask a little bit about your your alcoholism because it's mm-hmm. it's really tough in Britain not to drink I mean obviously there are mm-hmm. some religious people who don't drink for a string of, of good reasons um, but those of us who navigate the world in which almost everybody drinks mm-hmm. what is it what do you do how do you get through a, you know a really tedious evening where a lot of other people <laughs> have got drunk or are drinking heavily and have apparently begun to find each other amusing when you're bored to tears and just can't wait to get home well it reminds me of why i shouldn't drink um but also i don't, like i was i was very much i i spent most of my life trying to prove to myself that i wasn't an alcoholic because i had a successful job and you know i, I wasn't on a park bench and i didn't drink every day just every other day and when I drank it was pretty excessively but um I the consequences of my drinking got so out of hand so when I find myself in those tedious situations Jane of which you speak (laughs) I it's very it's certainly hard to be sober in Britain in the after 6 p.m yes Um, (laughs) but for me I remind myself that it is not as hard as the alternative which got pretty dark so um and I kind of play the tape forward so to speak and think about how smug I will feel the next morning without but also I don't know how I managed to drink the amounts I did because now if I eat like a Chinese takeaway (laughs) or have an ibuprofen I feel terrible the next day it's like I don't know how I went from being a sort of pharmaceutical dustbin to this to this person who who can't even have msg mm. so i thought you wrote a really really important column the other week Bryony, uh, about addiction uh, mm. and i wonder whether we could almost try and end on a positive note something has mm-hmm. changed in our understanding of addiction hasn't it where although to some people there might still be a moral underbelly to it you know you've got to be strong you'll be able to conquer it you're weak if you are addicted there's also just it, more and more evidence it's an illness isn't it and once we can really nail that and put that into our understanding. It changes something, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not so... I, I think there's all sorts of arguments. There's not even so much a, 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 an illness or a disease as a response to childhood trauma. And, I, and, you see, I can say that, and I know that there will be people sitting at home going, oh, stop banging on about trauma. You know, we think of trauma as someone who survived a war or, you know... Um, and actually trauma in psychological terms is all sorts of things. It's neglect that often parents don't even realise they're doing. Um, and, and to a child, to a, to, a, to a baby, to someone under the age of five, there's no difference between the two. Anyway, I could wang on about that as, as much as I could. But addiction is, um, it's, I prefer to see it as, as a maladaptation you know and it's a it's your brain's way of trying to cope with life and it's a not particularly um you know it works for a bit and certainly it worked for me you know i had decades where drinking I, i'm i'm grateful for alcohol guys because if i hadn't have drunk i wouldn't have been able to leave the house you know but it stopped working for me nobody what i would say is nobody wakes up or nobody i certainly when i was young didn't think when i grow up I want to be an addict. I want to have to go and sit in church halls drinking terrible coffee and saying, my name is Bryony and I'm an alcoholic. 
nobody makes that choice, you know? Um, and, and I think that's really important to remember. That was Bryony Gordon, the journalist and author, and she was talking to us, well, about all sorts of stuff, as you've just heard, but uh, primarily she was on to discuss her new novel for young adults, Let Your Hair Down, but uh, plenty for everyone to enjoy there. It's certainly not restricted to young adults. Never quite know what that means. I don't think you do either, do you, Fee, really? But... No, so I'm thinking probably there's a cut-off point somewhere below 53, uh, so it's not for me, but I did enjoy the book anyway. Uh, Fee and Jane, uh, following on from your conversation about dumping pumpkins, Riverford Organic Farm Farmers led a very good campaign this year leading up to Halloween about how to avoid contributing to the 14 million plus pumpkins that are chucked away at this time every year. They had some great ideas around decorating squash instead so you can eat them afterwards. Well, if you want to just Google um, Riverford um, squash pumpkins, you'll get all the information you need. But it's possibly too late to warn against pumpkin dumping because I suspect that much of it will already have gone on, won't it? Yeah, 14 million pumpkins. Yeah, that is absurd, isn't it? I know. I remember once doing a relatively serious item on a previous employer about um, what was regarded as a spate. It's always a good word in news news talk. A spate of owl dumping because people had started buying owls as pets after oh, enjoying Harry, Harry Potter. Potter and then they couldn't look after them, so owls were being dumped. And I actually think it's far worse to dump an owl than a pumpkin. Controversial, but there you are. That's a terrible image I've got in my head now. Uh, talk to you tomorrow, twit twoo. Yes, um, big guest tomorrow is Ian Hislop, so looking forward to that. You have been listening to Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Our Times radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Ben Mitchell. Now you can listen to us on the free Times radio app or you can download every episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget that if you liked what you heard and thought, hey, I want to listen to this, but live. Uh, then you can, Monday to Thursday, 3 till 5 on Times Radio. Yeah. Embrace the live radio jeopardy. Thank you for listening and hope you can join us off air very soon. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.